With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. Now, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad. This is Inside Sports on 630 Ted. Talk a little uh, Eskimos in a bit here. Training camp continuing. They have an actual preseason game on Saturday. It's on Ched. 5.30 pregame show. Kickoff at 7 o'clock. There is a preseason football game on tonight. Montreal up 13-3 on Winnipeg. Four and a half minutes left in the second quarter. Preseason football, Matthew. Can we agree? Often difficult to watch. A lot of penalties, a lot of mistakes, a lot of guys that aren't going to be. I mean, they dress like 80 guys or something, right? Yeah, I heard Montreal. Morty Scott was saying <laughs> Montreal could be using seven quarterbacks. I know. Or it's great. <laughs> That's something else, eh? Uh, yeah. But yeah, preseason football is is ugly. I mean, it's the it's the worst of the preseasons. It now, is. I still want you to listen to the game on Saturday on Chet. I mean, well, here's the thing. Somebody's going to emerge, right? I mean, Walker emerged last season. They, we, we didn't know he was going to be good, as good. But and, and the thing is, I mean, um, so many penalties in the preseason. You know, one guy goes, uh, makes a illegal procedure or false start, as they called in the NFL, well, kills the whole play, right? One guy jumps offside because he's not paying attention, you know? So it it just can be such a, a stuttering game sometimes. Uh, Scott has texted in an Eskimos question, which I will get to in a second. But uh, Sam G just following up on my uh, Oilers comments. By the way, Sam G, I hope you're doing well. He's a loyal listener and texter. He says, "Hi, Reed. Uh, Justin Schultz was the scapegoat for the team not having enough depth. What I mean is they had to play him more because they really didn't have better defense." Uh, I texted you before what I feel about chasing players out of town. It always backfires. We run them out of the city for no fault of their own, and they go to a different team and succeed, which is sad. That is from Sam G. I mean, so much of so much of sports is right situation, right time. Because I think, as we've seen in the NHL playoffs. If if you were to just restart the entire playoffs, right today, or go to an alternate universe and watch what happened, is it out of the realm of possibility the Washington Capitals win it all? Is it out of the realm of possibility the Dallas Stars win it all? St. Louis Blues, Chicago Blackhawks. I mean, pick a team, right? I mean, out of the sixteen teams, you could make an, ar- an argument for almost all. Maybe maybe not quite all of them. I mean, maybe a. Uh, you know, you would have said a Rangers or a Panthers were a bit of a longer shot. Well, you know, the Pan- who knows with even who knows even with the Panthers. Luongo stands on his head for two months. So, 
it's 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 putting together at the right time, having the players at the right time. I mean, the Pittsburgh Penguins changed their coach through the first 30 games of the season. What was the storyline for the Pittsburgh Penguins? Sidney Crosby isn't the same. Is he ever going to find his game again? I think he's found his game again. So it's it's such a fine line. The, the Penguins were able to grab the momentum. They, they look like they're going to finish it off. And and, and you know what? If, if Here's another thing, Matthew. If you were to have ranked the, the 16 playoff teams at the start of the playoffs from your most likely to least likely to win the Stanley Cup, I bet you most people would have had the San Jose Sharks between 10th and 16th, or maybe 13th and 16th. <laughs> they're, they're the Stanley Cup final. They're still three wins closer than anybody else, even if they lose four games to one. So, And the team has to be built. I mean, so the, the players and the coaches have to put it together at the right time, and, and you have to have the players in the right slots. And Sam G makes a fair point. Um, with the Oilers, how many players have come here and, and not lived up to expectations? A lot. How often has that happened because of the player? How often has that happened because of the situation he's in? Obviously, it's not always black and white. I mean, certainly Eric Belanger was was ripping the Oilers last week. And fair enough. When you finish as low as the Oilers always do, you're going to get ripped. And I, and I think some things Eric Belanger said were valid. He also said, well, I never got a chance to play my role. I think Eric Belanger got a chance to play his role. He got he got pretty you know consistent ice time and got some power play time and was put out there to take face-offs and all that stuff. So I think I think he went overboard. I think some of the stuff he said is BS. And, you know, I know from talking to people, he has a certain reputation uh, when it comes to, um, you know, how he carries himself and some of the things he says. But, you know, having said that, yeah, sure, were the Oilers built uh, too young? Was there maybe, uh, well, not maybe, was there, was there too much... Uh, emphasis put on building around the young players and then not bringing in the proper support guys. Yeah, well, for sure. All fair. All fair. So I, I think the thing with Justin Schultz is his confidence just reached such a basement level while with the Oilers. You know? And I think so, I mean, I understand what Sam G is saying. He says, we run them out of their city for no fault of their own, and they go to a different team and succeed, which is sad. Yes, he's being successful because he's on a good team. He is not, he is not the player that we all hoped he would be. Now, was he overestimated? Well, clearly, when you have the former general manager saying he has Norris Trophy potential, he's, he's being overestimated. Um, but I think a lot of us probably overestimated Justin Schultz. So he's not living up to those expectations in Pittsburgh, but he's he's in a better spot to play a quieter game. He's not the focal point. He doesn't have the baggage. And now him being 120th of that combination that goes out there every night, it's working for the Pittsburgh Penguins. You can text 63630. Here's a text. Hey, Reed, Justin Schultz for the con Smythe. Signed, Justin Schultz's mom. All right. Uh, Scott says, uh, hey, Reed, Eskimos question. If you had to place the Eskimos this year, how well do you see them doing, especially with the change in personnel? I'll hold off on making any concrete CFL uh, predictions till we get closer to the season. 
as you know, as you know, I, as I, as I do, Matthew. I think the Eskimos will. I mean, look, going into right now, I still think this is a good team. A lot of key guys back, O line back, quarterback is back. Darrell Walker, I think, might win the MLP this year. I really do. I really do. There, to me, there's no reason the Eskimos should not have a home playoff game. So even right now, early on, I will put them in the top two in the West, and we'll do more concrete uh, predictions the week of the opening game. How's that, Matthew? Sounds good. All right. It is 7.13. We will take a timeout, and uh, we'll dive hardcore into the Eskimo stuff with Dave Campbell when we get back. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chad. All right, thanks for tuning in tonight. Of course, you can always text 630-630, phone number 780-496-0063. I will get to uh, more of those in a couple of minutes, but Dave Campbell is standing by with the latest from training camp and your Great Cup champion, Edmonton Eskimos. Dave, how are you doing? Pretty good. How are you, Reed? I am doing great. Love getting the Eskimo updates from... Uh, you and Morley Scott. A little cooler today, eh? Oh. There's actually a wind? Yeah, a nice wind to uh, kind of cool off the uh, humidity out there because it, it's so humid. Yeah. It's not just the heat. It's not the heat that'll get you. It's the humidity, you know? Yes, so exactly. It was uh, nice to have a little natural air conditioning down at the uh, down at the field today. All right. So uh, what are we rolling into here? Today is Wednesday. Yep. Game on Saturday. Yep. So does that mean things tighten up, a different focus? Leading into this game, what, what's what's the, the the mood here going into it? I think what likely happens now from uh, here on in to, to Saturday is because the installation part of training camp will will start to taper down now, like a lot. So there'll probably probably the hope from the coaching staff is less thinking and more reacting and more uh, absorbing of the playbook. That if, if you see a play. Oh hey, I've I've I recognize that play. Instead of okay, here's another new play. Here's another new play. Here's another new play. So uh, this team's going to go into to Calgary on Saturday, and they're not going to run, you know, a lot of their playbook, but they're going to run, you know, enough of their plays that I'm sure Jason Moss wants to see on offense. And uh, same thing for Mike Benavides on defense, and uh, same for the special teams units. So uh, I I would hope. And I think the coaching staff would hope there would be less thinking out there, more reacting, that the players will see the play, recognize it, because they've seen it in the classroom, they've, they've worked on it on the field, and they'll be able to react to it. Have you seen any I, – I thought I saw a little bit of evidence in the mock game on Friday. Have, have you seen any concrete evidence of how Jason Moss wants to attack? Because let's face it, last year's team on offense – Hey, they, they scored enough points to win 16 of their 20 games, so we're not complaining. <laughs> um, but even as I as I, I had in the interview with the offensive lineman uh, DeAnthony Batiste and Tony Washington that they did, they ran a small number of plays mm-hmm. but kind of perfected them, and a lot of it was keep the ball, keep the ball, big shot, score points. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it seems like there might be a little bit more of a diverse philosophy with Jason Moss. Well, here's what we saw under Steve McAdoo the last two seasons when he was the offensive coordinator. The short game, a lot. And like you say, long, long, long play, big play. And the middle of the field was the area of the field, the intermediate area, that 15 to 20-yard zone, 
or maybe let's call it 10 to 20 yard zone was virtually ignored. I mm-hmm. mean, we I don't remember seeing a lot of plays uh, in that area of the uh, of the field. Now I think you're going to see more of that in Jason Moss's offense. He will attack every part of the field, which is the real basis of this offense. It's supposed to attack every part of the field and use multiple number of receivers and running backs. So I think you will see more of the 15-yard play, more of the 20-yard play. I remember talking to Singor Mobley when I first started this gig, and I said, what are the plays that really hurt a defense? He says, honestly, it's not necessarily the big plays, although they can. It's those 15 to 20-yard gains that you keep giving up because it's just like it's a slow death. Mm -hmm. So I think he's going to attack the intermediate area a lot more than than we have seen in the last couple of seasons. Well, how long have I been saying that? Ever, Every the, day. That might been the first thing I ever said to you when we met about nine years ago. Uh, Dave Campbell from our Eskimos broadcast team joining us on Inside Sports. It, quickly, the mock game, Bryant Mitchell, one of the receivers, kind of stole the show. I mean, And you always wonder, because yes, it's a mock game, but Darrell Walker had a big preseason game last year. Yeah. And a lot of us said, okay, it's only preseason. Oh, then he turned out to be one of the best receivers in the league once he got playing. Uh, has Mitchell moved up the depth chart? Has he continued any of the show he put on on Friday night? Well, he definitely earned a spot on the first team, and that's because Darrell Walker got banged up in the, okay. in the mock game, and then he didn't practice on Saturday as part of fan day, and then was uh, they had Sunday off, and then... Uh, the last couple of days, uh, Darrell Walker has worked his way back in. Today he was full reps, so Bryant Mitchell didn't see a lot of time with first team. But, you know, hey, he impressed the coaches enough that when they had an injury issue with Darrell Walker, they were able to, you know, he was able to impress enough to, to get reps up there. So, you know, the, the games will reveal a lot, you know, and the game on Saturday will reveal a lot. Who, you know, when the lights are on, you know, are able to perform. Now, we know Bryant Mitchell is able to have some production, had some production last year with the Eskimos in two preseason games and was the last cut in training camp. So, you know, uh, we're going to see what Jacoby Ford can do. We're going to see what Brandon Zilstra can do and others and, uh, you know, Joe McKnight. So uh, it's going to be a lot of fun to see the battles because there are a lot of battles around the football team, even though there's a lot that is secure right now. And in place, there's still some battles going on. Well, and we're all watching the the backup quarterback position. Now, first of all, I hope Mike Riley takes more than three snaps in the preseason or whatever it was last year. Or was it four snaps and three passes? Five snaps, but he threw three passes. Is that what it was? That's right. Something like that. so I think he'll he'll play more than that this preseason. Yes, he so will. So we say that's a safe assumption. Um, but I mean, it clearly, I mean, well, I guess to me it seems clear from what, from talking to you guys that the rest of the depth chart is at quarterback could be a little fluid here. I would say so. You know, James Franklin, I think, should be the backup quarterback when it's all said and done. But he's got to perform, right? I think skills wise, he's the best of the three. But Thomas DeMarco comes in and has a great performance in the mock game. Well, great in the first half, not so good in the second half. But he threw two touchdown Mm -hmm. passes. He looks very comfortable with the system. He should be because he worked with it last year with the Ottawa Red Blacks when Jason Moss was their offensive coordinator. So, And then you have Jordan Lynch, who is actually repping as a quarterback. Not the not the the quarterback on the cheetah package, or you know, which is a basically a glorified wild, wildcat package. He's actually throwing the ball, and Jason Moss says, "I want him 
to know our offense. I want him to work with our offense. I want him to get better at our offense. And he's, you know, he, Jason Moss stopped short of calling him a surprise in camp, but it's quite impressed how much he's able to take in uh, and, 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 uh, you know, take it in the classroom and on, and put it out on, on the field. So I'm really excited to see Jordan Lynch as a quarterback. I think number three is definitely up, up for grabs. The number three quarterback position, the number two quarterback position could be up for grabs. Depending so. on how Franklin does. Well, and, and Lynch is an interesting case because, like you said, how he was used last year, he didn't throw a lot of passes. Three he, for four for 14 yards and a touchdown. He went in for quarterback sneaks. I mean, yeah. he scored the winning um, points in the Grey Cup, the winning touchdown mm-hmm. in, the, in, the, in the Grey Cup, and he was the up back on punts. And he did that after having been in the NFL with the Chicago Bears trying out as a running back, mm-hmm. despite having... Um, pretty impressive numbers, both running and passing the ball in the NCAA. Granted, not at a you know high caliber school, but a good school. Mm-hmm. So th- that's an interesting sort of path for him, where the NFL says, "Okay, we don't even think you're a quarterback," and then the CFL tells him, "Well, yeah, you're a quarterback, but not really, because you're going to mostly run the ball and do other jobs." And now Moss apparently giving him a chance to actually be a passing quarterback again. Yeah, remember in the NFL the the giant quarterback is just coveted, right? If you're right. 6'3", 6'2", and up, they love you, unless you're Russell Wilson, right? Mm-hmm. you got to be really special if you're going to be a, you know under 6'2", 6'3", quarterback. So, you know, Jordan Lynch comes in, and, and he's able to utilize the, the length of the field. He's, you know, utilize his legs, you know, throw on the run, that sort of thing. So there's a lot more opportunity here, up here because I think it's a faster game. It's a more fluid game. And it's a game where, uh, you know, he can definitely use his feet as well. And by the way, he still remains as one of the up-backs on punt team. I asked okay. Jason Moss about that. I said, why? Because he's good. That's what he said. Right. He's good. He's got experience. So Jordan, Jordan Lynch said, uh, i got to work on my tackling. And he's working on that as well. So I don't know. I mean, let's just throw this out there. Could all four quarterbacks be on the roster somehow when the season starts? And I think there's... A reasonable argument for yes. Interesting. Yeah. All right. We'll keep an eye on that. Dave, thanks for your time, buddy. Love it. Always. Thanks, Reed. Love having you. Dave Campbell, producer of this show, Eskimos analyst here on the games. 630 Chet. All right. We'll get to some of your texts to 630, 630. Some more uh, Schultz and Oilers roster thoughts coming in. Can tell you that. Uh, hang on. Quick start for Cleveland tonight. NBA Finals. They're up. Uh, was 17-4. Just getting a little. 17-4 was the latest I saw. Cleveland all over Golden State early. Matthew Panashik trivia challenge. Question number three: Who was the last Eskimo to win regular season Most Outstanding Player in the CFL? Ricky Ray. Incorrect. Bzzz. Tracy Ham. 1989. The Eskimos have not had a regular season MOP since 1989. Only one strike. Three questions to go, Matthew. Still ahead, a little uh, Olympic talk with with Scott Russell. Some golf talk with Dick Zockel. He's the pro at Predator Ridge in BC on the PGA Tour. We'll talk a little uh, Tiger Woods, a little U.S. Open, and, of course, more hockey talk as we move along. Your home for breaking news and expert opinion. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad.
Thanks for tuning in tonight, Inside Sports on 630 Chad. My name is Reed Wilkins. Always appreciate that you're tuning in. 33-13 with 41 seconds left in the first quarter. Cleveland leading Golden State. Man, talk about a quick start. Your scoreboard courtesy of Crystal Glass for all your glass needs. Visit crystalglass.ca. The Blue Jays won this afternoon 7-2 over Detroit. Josh Donaldson had a three-run homer. He also tripled. Justin Smoke had a two-run dinger. Kevin Pillar had a two-run triple. R.A. Dickey got the win. Blue Jays uh, get that one after letting last night's game slip away. All right, uh, some text to 630-630. Man, I, I, I didn't think we'd be doing large segments of time on Justin Schultz once he got traded, but I guess we still are. People want to talk about him tonight. That's fine. We can do a little bit more. People are still pretty emotional about this. Uh... Sign your uh, first name to your text if you can. This unnamed individual says, Justin Schultz wasn't overestimated. He was overinflated by the general manager and especially the local media, much like a lot of other Oilers. Nugent Hopkins and Everly definitely not even close to the $6 million league that they're in. And the list goes on, overinflated players and disappointing seasons, and everybody seems surprised year after year. Sekera went to Los Angeles to take Zvoinov's spot at $4.5 million. He failed. And uh, the Oilers gave him $6.5 million when he couldn't uh, take a $4.5 million spot. Again, he came in overinflated and another apple that didn't fall too far from the tree. Uh, so that's a text from uh, somebody who is uh, uh, wrong on one point. Andre Secker is not making $6.5 million a year. He's making five and a half. Uh, probably more than he's worth, but he was a free agency, and you tend to get more years and or more money when you go to uh, free agency. Yeah, I don't know what to say. I don't want to argue with this guy. I mean, I I, I don't I, I don't think I ever overestimated Justin Schultz. I mean, there was a, we did a uh, the uh, the preseason uh, the the season preview show on Oilers Now with me, Bob, Jack, and Brendan. And one of the questions was Justin Schultz over under forty five points. I was the only guy who said under. Okay, the other three guys thought he would get over forty five points. I did not. I wouldn't have taken over 35, quite frankly. Obviously, he didn't get close to that. Uh, this texter says, Hey, Reed, sports teams who have always been basement dwellers always put a lot of hope and faith into the latest and greatest, such as Justin Schultz. Another example is Connor McDavid. I'm not comparing the two, but the same thing could happen. Pressure from oneself, fans, media, and teammates can crush anybody. And Tom says, Read the difference between the Penguins and the Oilers' incompetent management of Justin Schultz is that the Penguins saw Schultz for what he is, not what they thought, wished, or hoped he could be, and used him appropriately. That's why he's found his confidence. He's not being asked to do something that he can't. That is from Tom. Well, I, you know, I think Tom has a good point, and that's and that's the difficult thing. I think if you're running a team, and certainly as as fans of the team, though as as fans you're not making the personnel decisions. The the best indicator of future performance is past performance. If you're signing a player who has, let's not use Schultz as an example. He was he was signed out of college, but if you're if you're if you're bringing in a player who has had Let's say his previous five seasons, he has had 
45, 50, 42, 41, and 48 points in his previous five seasons. You should expect him to get around 45 points the next year. You, should, you shouldn't be bringing him and, and, and saying this is a 60-point player. Uh, I mean, the texture that brought up the, the Secker thing, I, I think Secker was exactly the player that the Oilers signed. I, I, to me, he pretty much was what I expected. He's a, he's a good player. He's, he's not a great player. Um, he certainly played well some games, was quieter other games. Is his price point a little much? Yeah, probably a little bit. But, but again, free agents get money. I, I think if you're, if you're slamming Oilers' decisions, I, I think there are far easier targets than Andre Sekera. I think specifically, I mean, Mark Fain and Nikita Nikitin were brought in with the thinking that they'd be a shutdown pairing for the Oilers. Well, Nikitin is going to be out of the NHL, and Fain is a third-pairing defenseman. And he basically got used like that most of the season. Um, I, I think a lot of the decisions on defense go to the the two years McTavish was the GM. I actually didn't think, I, I don't think Craig McTavish did a bad job with the forwards. I, Purcell came in for Gagne and Purcell kind of did what, he, what he'd always done in his career. I, I think Pouliot's kind of done what he's always done in his career. He hasn't been dramatically higher or lower. I don't think anything more or less was really promised to those guys. But clearly the Oilers have wound up in a hole here on defense because players were overestimated. And they were looked at, and it was sort of hoped that they would be able to bring more than they had been bringing. Goaltending, Scrivens and Fast, sure, they were overestimated. Now, with Talbot, you could say, you know, Shirelli didn't have a lot of past performance to go on with Talbot because he actually hadn't played that much for the New York Rangers, though he did have an extended stretch of being their starter where he played pretty well. I'm not saying you never have to take a chance on a player. But, again, the best player, the best indicator of future performance is past performance. Uh, was Justin Schultz overestimated? Sure, maybe he was. Um, well, he was. Clearly he was, by a lot of people. Are Ryan Nugent Hopkins and Jordan Everly? Six million dollar players? No, they aren't. But when I've made that argument about Everly before, people have written into me and say, "Hey, Reed, actually look up how many people score at the pace Everly scores at." Not many people do it. We got Chris from Phoenix on the line. Hello, Chris. Hey, hey. Some some of the people that tweet in, I don't know. I think they're they, they especially the the tools that uh, can't uh, fess up and put their name on it. I think they're just idiots or Calgary Flames fans or Toronto Maple Leafs fans. Um, how many how many teams uh, were in on uh, Justin Schultz when, when he chose the Oilers? 28 teams, right? Yeah, it was like 26 or something like that, yeah. There because the 30th uh, was the, the Ducks. So 28 other teams other than the Oilers were in on Justin Schultz. Then, then that strike happens, and then he scores, like, I don't know, 100 points down in the AHL or however many points he was scoring. He was just tearing it up, right? He had, I think he was, like, leading the league down there. Somewhere along the line, he got lost somewhere. Whether it was the confidence, whether it was whatever, too much pressure, he got lost. He moved on, 
let's move on. Let's quit bringing up this kid. Let him move on. Let, let's bring up somebody else. Here, here, let's bring up Phil Kessel. Didn't, didn't Toronto throw him away? Yeah, and but the thing is, now? Chris, the th- I, I understand what you're saying, and I'm not trying to argue with you, but, pe- but Oilers fans are never going to move on until the team actually can make the playoffs, right? Well, and I, I get that, and everybody overpays in free agency. Uh, Sekera, I think I think he might have, uh, if I if I remember, he took a, pay, a little bit less to sign with the Oilers, and he and he got that extra year, or somewhere around there. Uh, as far as people saying that uh, Jordan Eberle isn't worth what he's making, Jordan Eberle uh, I think scored over 30 goals uh, a couple times. He's led the led the Oilers uh, like four of the last five years, or three of the last five years, or how many many years that he's that he's led the team. Um, Ryan Nugent Hopkins is close to I think. Uh, what point uh, point six to point seven points a game? Like pe- people need to like uh, under understand. That Phil Phil Kessel got what eight million dollars in, in Toronto when uh, when he resigned or, or somewhere around there, and I don't think uh, he was he was scoring at the pace that uh, Everly was when when Everly signed. I think somewhere around there. So I don't. I understand the frustration. I'm frustrated too, but. You know, let's just move on and let's make this team better, and then go go from there. Next year, if we're in the same situation, then you know what? I'm going to bang my head against the wall. But let's let's just let's just move forward. And, and some of these some of these tweeters make me laugh. But uh, love the show, and let's uh, weather. All right, Chris. That is Chris from Phoenix. Always enjoy when he checks in. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. This portion of the show brought to you by Action Furnace, home of the fixed right or its free guarantee. Action Furnace. Dot ca Still ahead, by the way, we're going to bring in uh, Ryan Marsh from the Edmonton Oil Kings staff. He's getting an opportunity with Hockey Canada. A little golf talk with uh, Dick Zokel, former PGA Tour player. He's going to chime in about Tiger Woods and next week's uh, U.S. Open at a classic U.S. Open course that is at uh, Oakmont in Pennsylvania. Eskimos in Calgary, 5.30 pregame show, 7 o'clock kickoff on Saturday. Eskimos' first preseason game. They will host the Saskatchewan Rough Riders in an exhibition game the following Saturday. The season starts for real on the 25th against the Ottawa Red Blacks. Dwayne is on the line. Hello, Dwayne. Hey, you know, with Schultz, I think he was, he was more of um, a complimentary player, and they were trying to make him something that he wasn't. And then when he goes and does the role that he actually can do, he has success. Well, sure. And, and, and good on him. Like, I'm, I'm happy for the guy. I hope he wins the Stanley Cup because then maybe people will see that, you know, we've got so many good draft picks that maybe we're not bringing in the complimentary guys to help. Like, how many – look, there's Sid, there's Crosby, or there's uh, Crosby, um, Malkin – Latang, and the rest are pretty much, and Kessel, and the rest are all complimentary players, and they're doing it. And they're doing it with a no-name goaltender, too. So, you know, it's the complimentary players that uh, make everything, I think. You know, you can only have so many superstars and so much ice time. It's just like uh, in the NBA right now, uh, Golden State's bench comes on the floor and destroys Cleveland. I mean, that's good depth. That's good, you know, complimentary players, and that's what we need. We don't need these many superstars. We can afford to get rid of one, maybe two. 
Well, and that's why, I mean, one of the $6 million guys will be traded. And, I mean, you do have to start worrying about paying McDavid. I mean, like I've been saying, Dwayne, two years from now, Connor McDavid's probably going to become the highest paid player in the history of hockey, right? So, oh, yeah, he's going to be $10, $12 million. Yeah, so, and, and, and I mean, you, you, hang on to, you hang on to a guy like that. I, I mean, we can go back and forth with the Oilers, and we do all the time, as you know, in this city. But, I mean, I, 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 I'm reluctant to say it's, it's one area of the team. Have the complimentary players been good enough? No, no, they have not. not. Um, have have the highest paid players always played like the best players on the team? Well, no, no. they have not. And I mean, that's the thing. That's how, that's. Nice I mean, that, that's why I can go back and forth at Everly. Everly's a really good offensive player. Do you, does he make an impact yeah. on the game on the nights his name is not on the score sheet? And I would argue not enough. And that's where he a Lucic or whoever has value. In the defensive end, and he doesn't play well without the puck a lot of the time. Uh, you know. Now again, that's there are a lot of players like that. There are a lot of players like that in the NHL, right? But you got to be slotted into the right area on your specific roster. Yeah, you look at how the team is built. We're definitely an Eastern type team in the West, just from the way that they were built in the past. But you know. I like Nuge, I like Eberly, but it's the same old, same old. Are they big enough to play in the Western Conference night in, night out, and take the punishment? And, you know, now that we got Maroon and some bigger bodies, and it, it, it opens up some ice for them. But, you know, if do we get bigger again? You know, like if you could trade for some good complimentary guys, can you afford to get rid of them? I think you can. Yeah, well, the thing is with Nugent Hopkins is if, if Nugent Hopkins goes this summer, you got to bring in another center, and that's always easier said than done. I thought Nugent Hopkins worked hard this year. I think he tried to make himself more of an all-around player, but but clearly his point production suffered. I mean, he's if he's got to be better in the defensive end, he still can't have as many long stretches without scoring as he did this season. Yeah, and you know what? A lot of the times too is uh, with the with the history of the Oilers right now. I think some of these guys are trying to do too much instead of just play their game. If there if there is that such a thing, you know, stick to what you're good at. Don't try to be everything to everybody. And I think that might be a little bit of a problem with uh, with um, Everly, right? Like he's trying to do too much. Well, I mean, Hall and Everly are the longest-serving Oilers, and whether you're a fan of those players or not, it, it hasn't been pleasant being looking at your team's spot in the standings for the last six years. And yeah, like, and a couple of those years, a couple of those years, having your season over by the 30th of November. Yeah, that that sucks. We've lived it. But Hall's top ten. I don't know if you put Everly in the top 30, but you know he's a good player. I. I don't think you can get rid of him. Dwayne, I thanks for listening. Of, thanks for I calling, think you K-Man. Get rid of before oh. Everly. Yeah. Dwayne, thanks for listening, buddy. Yeah, have a good one. All right. 780-496-0063. We got to take a quick timeout at 748 Inside Sports on Chet. Hey, this is Jordan Everly from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chet. Cleveland leading Golden State. Game three of the NBA Finals. Golden State, of course, up two games.
to nothing. Still ahead, we will get uh, an update on what is going on in uh, Rio in Brazil with the Summer Olympics, uh, as always, as it seems to happen before every Olympics. A lot of doom and gloom going into that one. We'll talk a little golf, too, with Dick Zokel, Canadian guy, former, formerly on the uh, PGA Tour. We'll talk some U.S. Open. We'll talk some Tiger Woods. We'll talk some uh, young guns in the game today. That is all still to come. Eskimos is getting ready for their preseason game on Saturday. Jason Moss talking about the quarterback battle behind Mike Riley. It's tight. It's a good race. Um, you know, we'll let them play it out in the games and, and decide from there. But they're all doing exactly what we wanted them to do uh, as far as execution and going through the offense progression. Um, they're all capable of it. They're all showing that they're capable of it. But physically coming down to it, they're going to have to make great decisions in the game to separate themselves. Mm -hmm. So, no, it's been a great competition so far. The value of Thomas DeMarco uh, in the in the fold here, just to he understands your offense. He's been in it. How big of a resource has he been for the rest of the offense? He's been great I mean he's been able to come in like you say knows that knows the system that we're running uh, was very good at, at coaching it as well so you know you feel like a, a quarterback's always going to be a coach on the field anyways so with his prior history in our offense it's, it's helped his progression with the with the receivers he's working with and his ability to get them in the right right places and communicate better and he's also a good resource for Mike and the rest of the quarterbacks to kind of understand the offense that we're trying to do and understand how to communicate it so he's been he's been doing his job and uh, happy about where he is. Talking with Jordan Lynch, he says, you know, it's nice to get into uh, into practice and rep as a quarterback, unlike last year when he had the, the specific packages he was running. Where do you see his progression right now? I think Jordan's uh, been a not to say a surprise, but I, I'm. He needed to do exactly what he's been doing, which is being able to operate our offense efficiently, um, throwing the ball, making decisions, being accurate with the ball. And I think he's done all those things. Um, I told him when, when we got hired here that we were going to give him a chance to play quarterback. I didn't. I said, you aren't going to have one called quarterback run in the preseason because I already know you can do that. I just have to see that you can run this offense efficiently the way Mike does it, the way the other quarterbacks will do it. So there's always going to be something Jordan's abilities, you know, you can always have a package in a game for him. But in order to be an efficient quarterback in the CFL, you have to be able to throw it. And that's what he has to prove. And he's still on special teams. Uh, what did you see out of him to, to keep him on special teams for now? Well, it's just he's, he's a great special teams player, to be honest with you. And he always keeps the, the other opponent on their toes with the ability to fake and the ability to do things, but bottom line, he's been productive on special teams, so you're going to have him out there as long as he's capable. Franklin said he's made some changes in his in his motion a little bit, in his style. Have, have, what have you noticed from him this year? Um, the biggest thing, I, I mean, James can throw it as good as anybody. I'm not too worried about how James throws it. It's more of his decision-making and his progression through our offense. I think he's picked it up uh, very well. Um, you know, that was the expectation that he would do that. And I think he's stepped up to the plate and been able to do that. Now, it just it comes to being comfortable in a game and being able to go through the motions and play, be accurate. Um, but he, his progression in our offense is what I'm more excited about rather than just his throwing ability. All right, that's Jason Moss, your head coach for the Edmonton Eskimos. So, yeah, we continue to keep an eye on what is going to happen behind Mike Riley on that quarterback depth chart. 39-27 uh, now Cleveland up on Golden State so uh, the Warriors 40-27 Cleveland makes a free throw so it was I mean it was 17-4 early so Golden State trying to hang around and chip away at a big deficit alright you have one strike against you Matthew Panashik you're allowed three you have three questions to go this is a big one for you we're going to have an Olympic segment coming up with Scott Russell from CBC Sports this is a tough one okay you got to think 
Okay. You ready? Yep. Name the only city to have hosted the Summer Olympics three times. Or thrice, as I like to say. Oh, I'd say it'd be Athens. Greece. Name the only city to have hosted the Summer Olympics, modern Olympics, three times. I did not hear any answer the first time. Okay. Oh, Los Angeles? No, it's London. Oh, that was a hard one. London, 1908. 1948 and 2012. See, they get harder as the show goes on because I expect you to be more alert. <laughs> you are pretty alert, right? Well, I was thinking that Los Angeles hosted, I think, twice, I think. Los and Angeles hosted in 1984 and 1932. Okay. I remember the ones in uh, 84. I do not remember the ones in 32. Halsey might. <laughs> don't, don't laugh like that. Uh, what do we got coming up? Oh, Ryan Marsh from the Edmonton Oil Kings. That'll be cool. He's coming up after 8 for a quick chat. He's got a cool opportunity coming up. Scott Russell to talk about the Olympics in Brazil. Will they be a disaster or are they going to pull it out? Dick Zokel, former PGA Tour player as well. This is Inside Sports on 630 Chad. Blue Jays won 7-2 in Detroit this afternoon. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.